Welcome back to another edition of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Lynn Testa, and this is our first show for August. Also, coincidentally, my birthday. Woo! Go me. Woo. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Let's bring in uh, Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Uh, happy birthday to you, Len. I am fine. All right, Jim. So we haven't done uh, one of these shows in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. We're continuing our chronological Disneyland series, focusing on the timeline and history of Disneyland development. So today mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about hotel development. And that's been in the news quite a bit recently, right? We know that in the past year, Disney's quietly bought some hotels. Yes, they have. I think the big news of the past couple of months has been that announcement of that fourth hotel at Disneyland. Right. Yeah. The site of where this hotel is supposedly going to be built is where the short-term parking is for downtown Disney. I mean, those of you who ever gone to a movie or grabbed a quick meal know what I'm talking about here. The short-term lot that you go into and they give you, I think, five hours free or two hours free. And if you get your stamp for a movie ticket or that sort of thing, you get two hours or additional three hours. This is kind of a bone of contention, this site. With the Disney Vacation Club folks, because this was actually where the dedicated Disney Vacation Club hotel was supposed to be built. Well, we all know plans are fluid, right, Jim? Uh, yeah, but this was always <laughs> something that was told to the DVC members, that there was eventually going to be their own dedicated hotel. And yes, they did build an, an additional wing at the Grand Californian. I was you know, say, the, yeah. But they were going to have their own hotel, and this is now going to be Anaheim's first attempt at a five-star resort. So a legit five-star resort. So we <laughs> we know that the Grand Floridian mm-hmm. in Walt Disney World, and we know that the Grand Californian in Disneyland are the two marquee hotels there. But having stayed at one or two hotels outside of Walt Disney World in my life, mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that there is a difference between something like a Peninsula-style mm-hmm. hotel mm-hmm. or a Shangri-La. Yep. And what Disney says is, you know, Disney's flagship store. So there's a there are you know at least two service levels of differentiation between what top hotels provide and what Disney does. So you think they're actually going to try an actual five star hotel? This actually comes from research that the Orange County Convention Center has provided and handed off to Disney. And remember, the Anaheim Convention Center is in the middle of this huge expansion. The one pushback that the convention center has always got is, I would love to bring my company's event to Anaheim, but you don't have a five-star hotel. I can't pamper my, my clients. CEO. Right. Yeah. Or your clients exactly. are CEO, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think... <laughs> at the Desert Inn, <laughs> which <laughs> well, is a, the... a fine budget hotel, but not that's the right. place that you're going to wine and dine potential clients. No, okay. that's it exactly. So it's one of these things where... Disney looked at that and it's like, well, hell, we could tap into this very lucrative market. Disney's new business plan for the future seems to be going after rich clients and even richer clients. (laughs) The haves and the have-mores. Yeah, so this really does fit into that business plan at the cost of the DVC members who have been waiting on this dedicated hotel for decades. Well, to be fair, Jim, Disney already has their money, so you know, well, <laughs> their, their sphere of influence is waning. No. So, Jim, so real quick on, on that, because I know we've heard a little bit about them developing the hotel. Is there going to be a theme to the hotel, or is, in the words of Steve Wynn, is theming dead? They haven't talked theme yet, but they have talked amenities. In fact, it's deliberately being scaled, so if you do the restaurant at the very top of the hotel, mm-hmm. you will be basically facing into New Orleans Square, Frontierland, you will have the most spectacular view of the nighttime fireworks. Oh, wow. Okay. Likewise, right. you know, you can sit up there and watch Fantasmic. Didn't Disney quietly buy a couple of places, a couple of smaller places? Yeah. What, are they, what are they doing with those? Parking? One of them is right at the edge of DCA. And <laughs> the thinking is that Disney's owned it for, I want to say, 18 months now, two years, quietly. 
Yeah. And the belief is that fairly shortly when the Marvel superhero land gets announced and goes forward, that closes and then becomes part of the, the park proper. That, that'll be part ah, of the expansion okay. pad. Got it. There are properties over toward Garden Walk that Disney has also acquired, which are, are more about giving people who are going to be parking on that new parking structure, the Toy Story-themed one that they're going to build, mm-hmm. to give them direct access over to the park. So That makes sense. All right, so Jim, so let's talk about the one of the original uh, Disneyland mm-hmm. hotel acquisitions. That's the Disneyland Hotel, right? There's an interesting story here with uh, yeah, with Jack I Yeah, right? when we left off our story the last installment of the chronological Disney, we're talking about how this, as early as the 1960s, they were talking about building a second park or, for example, that celebration of the California way of life thing that Walt wanted to build. Right, yeah. yeah. But you know, the whole goal was that we want to turn Anaheim into a multi-day resort like Orlando. And Disney officials, they had the dream, they had the drive, what they didn't have was the land. Which is why they made repeated runs at Jack Rather, the the early television pioneer. Jack's the guy who produced those long-running versions of Lassie and the Lone Ranger television series. And, you know, everybody knows the story of of how he came to build the Disneyland Hotel. Look, Walt had, had no money, barely had enough to build the park. He convinced Jack to build this hotel. And one of the things that he gave Jack, he leased him the land for 100 years. And that was rock solid, you know, that there was no way Disney could get that back. And which isn't to say that Disney didn't try it. Near as I can determine, Lynn, Disney officials made three separate attempts to acquire the Disneyland Hotel. The first came in 1973, just a year and a half after the company had opened the Walt Disney World Resort down in Orlando. Walt Disney Productions originally planned for his vacation kingdom of Florida was that the mouse was never supposed to manage any of the on-site hotels. U.S. Steel was supposed to build those hotels and then operate them. Looking back from today, where the Walt Disney Company operates 28 separate hotels on property, seems kind of nuts. But Disney had never operated a hotel up until that point, and the company officials didn't think that they wanted to. They didn't think they wanted to be in the hotel business. Yeah, I mean, they kind of had backed into the theme park business. And, and but the nice thing about a theme park is that people go home. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Late 1970, U.S. Steel comes to Royal Disney and goes, you know those hotels, you know, the ones you want, you really need open for October of 1971, mm-hmm. they're not going to be ready. At the rate we're, we're moving, we're thinking we won't be able to open any of the, the official Disneyland or Disney World Resort hotels till Christmas of 71, though, to be honest, just to play it safe, let's talk Easter of 1972, which, okay. just in case you're wondering, Len, that was going to be on April 2nd, so... A full six months behind schedule. Wow. Okay. And so for Roy's point of view, this was intolerable. So he turns around immediately after this meeting, goes to his board of directors and says, we have to buy out U.S. Steel and take over construction of the contemporary in the Polynesian village. And and how was that conversation received? Because first of all, at the time, U.S. Steel was a huge corporation. So you, yeah. you go to the board of directors and you say, in effect, one of the most powerful companies in the world can't get this done but by golly we can do it yeah i would be like roy how's the swamp gas coming do you need more <laughs> perhaps some oxygen did you find a still out uh, in the backwoods there will but anyway i mean they did it they pulled it off you know we're just sort of surprised that they did so it's like well look if we can run our hotels and own our hotels in orlando why can't we do it in anaheim so summer of 73 disney world productions officials reach out to jack rather to see if he'd be willing to sell the Disneyland Hotel and the 36 acres that this complex sat on wow. to the company. And that, that's valuable in Anaheim. 36 acres, you're talking about 
some real land. Here were the terms of the deal. They didn't offer him a lot of money. In fact, it was really just a token payment of $250,000. But what they did... I'll take also... two. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right. But they put two of them. The other thing they put on the table was a huge block of Disney stock. I've got this straight out of the 1973 annual report. It's 185,653 shares. Which would have made Rather, with that one transaction, the Rather Corporation would have become the Disney Productions' largest institutional shareholder. Wow. Why this was tempting to Jack was, he started in petroleum, but really made a lot of his money in television and only television stations. And again, this is the beginning of the 1970s, Len. And he's looking at the Disney has this giant library of cartoons and feature films and TV shows mm -hmm. that, you know, remember that the old Disney business plan was to put movies in the vault for every seven years. You brought them out for the next generation of kids and then you put them back. So, and every other studio had sold off their film library. So right. Disney was unique at this point. And... Jack looked at this and it was like, I think I can take that and turn that into a pay television service. HBO hadn't even launched to November of 72. So here he is. This is August of 73 where it's like, oh, my God, they're going to give me the stock and I'll have sway over the board and I can maybe get them to launch this channel. And Jack was was on board. Now, mind you, he has to turn around. It's a public health company, but he has to convince his shareholders. But Disney does everything it can to make the deal appeal to them. In fact, they, one of the terms is they agreed to take on the $24 million in debt that the company had run up at the hotel for building the convention center that was attached to it in 72. Disney was willing to do all this, give him the stock, allow him to maybe help them get a pay service up out of the ground and take on that debt if they got control of the hotel. How many shares of stock? What was the offer? It's 185,653 shares. Let's call it 186,000. I'm just going to do some quick math here real quick. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 186,000 shares of stock, the January 1973 stock stock split. Since yeah. then, there have been um, four others. Mm -hmm. uh, one was a four, a four to one. Another one was a four to one. Another one was a three to one. Then another one was, oddly, 1,014 to 1,000, which is essentially a 1.01 .01 to one. So let's ignore that one for now. But uh, okay. 4 to 1, 4 to 1, and 3 to 1 mm -hmm. gives you a 48 to 1 ratio. Mm -hmm. So as 186,000 shares of stock become 8.9 million, 8 million oh. at the current price of $97.77, $872,890,560. So about a billion dollars worth of stock for this hotel in current prices. Is, is that crazy? I mean <laughs> And know. and so Jack, I, I'm guessing here, cannot sign this deal fast enough. And that's the problem, and he didn't sign it fast enough. Because remember, none of this stuff happens oh. in a vacuum. So what happens in October of 1973? Syria and Egypt uh, launch a surprise attack on Israel on Yom Kippur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The U.S. government goes to defend its ally in the Middle East, quickly sending $2.2 billion in emergency aid to Israel. And as a direct result for what it sees is the United States unnecessarily interfering in Arab business, OPEC announces that it will be raising the price of oil by 70% to $5.11 a barrel. We're approaching that price again, by the way. And yeah, isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah. All of this happened in 10 days. All right? Yeah. 
So here's Jack and Disney looking at this going on, and this kicks off the Arab oil embargo, which means long lines at the pumps and gas rationing, and because a yeah. lot of people can't suddenly don't have the necessary spending money to take the family down to Walt Disney World, the price of Disney stock plummets, Len. It, it went from a high of $110 a share down to $36. Wow. So uh, essentially uh, 30% of its value. Yeah, and Jack's got to go to his his shareholders at the annual meeting and convince them this is the deal. This is what we want. And that's the thing. He knew long-term this was going to work out. Yeah. Given that the stock price at Disney at that point. Yeah, just, that's a just, tough sell. January 3rd of 1974, the deal dies. And, and you kind of understand it in the context, right? They're offered 185,000 shares at 100 bucks a pop, let's say, 110. Yep. And then they see it, the, the value immediately drop by two-thirds. Mm-hmm. I kind of see how you say no to that, right? Yeah, okay. but hindsight is always twenty twenty. Okay, so anyway, jump ahead to 1980, which, by the way, this is the year that Jack Rather acquires the Spruce Goose from the Air Hill Club of Southern California. It's going to fly again one day, Jim. <laughs> I mean, I just, I love the notion of, hey, come on down. we got a giant plane for you to possibly take a look at. Only flew once, you know. The Aero Club of Southern California had acquired it from the Hughes Corporation. And, and just was, you know, they didn't know what to do with them themselves. But was it, was it an impulse purchase that they don't know what they're going to do with it? <laughs> Steve, what are we doing today? Let's go buy a plane. All right. There you okay. go. go buy a big plane. And it wasn't until 83, actually, that the Rather acquired the the long-term lease, a 40-year lease on the Queen Mary and decided to incorporate them all into sort of this transportation-based attraction down on Long Beach Harbor. Anyway, so it's it's summer of 80. Disney makes another offer in the Disney Hotel, but this time Disney mostly offers cash. And to be honest, because the company had just broken ground at Epcot on October 1st, 1979, there wasn't a lot of cash available. So Jack just you know rejects the offer out of hand. How much um, was it? Well, I uh, my understanding was it was was only what is it? I I've heard 25 to 35 million dollars. The rumor was and it, tr- it turned out to be true that Rather was in poor health. And the thinking was that, you know, perhaps guy in, in poor health and given what's going on in petroleum at that point, uh, you know, and that's where a lot of his holdings were that he might be looking for a quick buyout and if, and but no, that Jack refused. Anyway, speaking of, of Jack's health, Michael Eisner comes into the Walt Disney Company October of, of 84. Six weeks later, on November 12th, Jack Rather dies. And while his, his wife, Benita Granville, and by the way, that she's the woman the old Benita Tower at the Disneyland Hotel was named after, she tries to run the corporation in Jack's absence, but the, the, the company begins to drift. And given that, that its huge library of old Lassie and, and Lone Ranger TV shows make the company a really tempting target for corporate raiders. Oh, this, this is in the Green Mail days. Yeah. This, so spring of 87, who comes sniffing around but Ronald Briley, who's this corporate raider from New Zealand, and he targets the Rather Corporation for acquisition. So, of course, Rather's board of directors panics at this news, and they turn to Disney, hoping that Disney will then help protect them from Briley. And it it made sense. I mean, Disney had very quietly over the past two and three years started picking up shares of the Rather Corporation. So at this point, they actually own 28% of the, the Rather Corporation. They have that number of outstanding shares. Did they think it was cheaper to just buy the company than to buy the assets? This was chess. 
again, it's like, okay, let's let's think a few moves ahead. They're, the company's kind of lost its way, and the share price has begun to, to sort of spiral. And it's like, let's just get in there and, and get a position, and, and that will increase our options further on down the line. And got it, got it, got it. Okay. Anyway, Disney itself was almost broken up for parts in 84 when infamous Green Millers, Saul Steinberg, and Warren Jacobs each made run at the Mouse House. So again, the you know, the thinking was rather bored. Surely Disney will be sympathetic and will come to our rescue. And it's that's not what happened. Len. Oh. When Disney learned that Briley was after rather, they reach out to him and say, "Why don't we go on on this deal together? You can have all the petroleum leasings and the television stations. All we want is the Disneyland Hotel and our pick of Rather's uh, Southern California real estate holdings." And, and wow. Disney wow. really plays hardball. I would this. say that's a little, that's a bit much. Well, no. But, it, but at this point, at this point, the people in the original relationship, Jack and Walt, are dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're All gone. Right. They're okay. gone. So this is, this is really two corporations without much personal relationship between the two. And it gets so much worse, Len. All right, Does this it really? Is, this is straight from the Los Angeles Times. Okay. Rather officials tell Disney and Briley that they want $28 a share for their company. Okay. Disney comes back and says, if Rather doesn't accept far less, they are going to increase the modest fee that Disney has been charging the Disneyland Hotel in Anaheim for the use of the monorail. The Los Angeles Times doesn't get into the specifics here, but let me share what I've been told by a couple of company insiders. Basically, what Disney, what Disneyland was doing before this deal was that they were charging the Disneyland Hotel what it costs to staff the monorail station at the Disneyland Hotel daily. So, I mean, you know, you're talking a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah, a couple of, so you're talking under a hundred grand a year for the... Yep. Uh, okay. okay. All right. But again, obviously having a monorail that took guests straight to that park was a huge perk in the Anaheim uh, hotel market. Sure. So, so Disney basically said, look, this service has been underpriced for decades. It's time for you to start paying for this perk. If you don't agree to our terms, we will start charging you $10,000 a day. Uh, <laughs> 3.6 million dollars a year you've got to be getting at least that much from guests who are staying at your hotel because you have the monorail and and now back to the los angeles Times story rather team was shocked but the tactic worked disney paid 21 dollars and 50 cents a share a razor thin premium over the 20 dollars that the company shares were trading for at that time on the open market but Disney maintained that, look, it's only fair to ask rather to pay for a higher price for a service that has been underpriced for decades. It takes till January 22nd, 1998 to work out all of the whereases and therefore... 1998 or 1988? Uh, 1980, excuse me. 88, 88. Okay, okay. okay. But Ronald Briley and the Walt Disney Company eventually complete their $152 million acquisition of the Rather Corporation. The, the shareholders approve the purchase of their annual meeting, and under the terms of the deal, Disney and Briley now jointly own the 1,704-room Disneyland Hotel, which is on property that Disney released to Jack rather personally for till the year 2054. And now mm -hmm. Disney and Briley also assume the 40-year leases that rather had to operate the Queen Mary and Spruce Goose attraction down at Long Beach. This wow. deal okay. only stays in place for two months till Disney then turns around and then buys out Briley for $85 million. So how much did Briley make on this deal? Well, you got to remember, he then turns around and starts breaking the company up for parts. 
between the $85 million that Disney basically paid him just for the hotel and the Long Beach stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think they may have retained the film rights to the Lone Ranger. That would make sense. Okay. Yeah. But beyond that, he sold off the television stations. He sold off the oil leases. I, I've heard he may have cleared as much as $500 million. In 1988 money. In 1988 money. So it's, it's pretty astounding. But anyway, now, finally... You know, the Walt Disney Company owns the Disneyland Hotel. They can now begin to turn Anaheim into Orlando, except that as part of this, there were those 40-year leases on the Long Beach attractions. And Mm -hmm. this is when Eisner, early 1988, Michael turns to the Imagineers and said, go down and check that stuff out. Is there something we could do with that? And that's what we'll get to in our next installment of the Chronological Disneyland. So the Queen Mary and the Spruce Goose. Yep, yep. I see the, the two most interesting pavilions in the world. <laughs> oh, you don't know the half of it. The, the uh, land they had such plans. All right, we'll talk about it on the, uh, on the next show then. All right. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. Please go on to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and rate our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.